Ready or not, here we come. Y'all can't hide. Gonna find you and make it. <laughs> Damn, I forgot that part of the line. But yeah, <laughs> shout out to the food. You. Shout out to Deaf Poetry Jam right there. <laughs> right. Anyway, I'd be a little more expressive if I was doing Deaf Poetry. I'll just, just shout out the Fugees, though, for coming back. I don't know if I'm going to make that UC show, but they uh they doing their thing. They they out Lauren uh, Lauren too, man. I, I hope she I hope she's on the same schedule as as Wyclef and and uh and Prize. Prize going to be there. What's up? I said I think her show just got canceled this weekend. I was supposed to be here. Yeah, well, she, yeah she canceled. She can't do shows, Josh. That's too much to ask of us. She had to cancel the Rebellion show. <laughs> you know, and and prepare for the United Center show with with the food. So, you know, I'm gonna see if I can get in there though. And shout out to everybody who saw Metallica at the Metro too, man. That that been pretty. Dope. Damn, man. Ooh, for twenty dollars too, man. Damn. I had no idea that show even went down, man. I would have been through there. I don't even. Yeah, know. Like, I don't, I don't even. I, I don't even miss with Metallica like that. I would have. I would have gone too, man. For a dub. I'm, I'm mad. I miss Lupe at the uh, Riot Fest, man. Yeah, Before he did the cool. Yeah. man. I wish. I wish I could have been there to see it or hear it. Man. man. Yeah. Yeah. It's there's a lot that's going on, man. We, you know, almost it's almost enough to not even do a basketball show. We might just have, you know, do spend an hour talking about other stuff, but. I think we, we have a we have a duty to our audience, you know, whatever it is. And uh we gonna keep going with a new runner with war. We got our four man team reassembled for the first time in about a at least a month or so, man. But uh, you know, we back at it. Uh just like I say hopping on for a quick moment here this evening. Uh, you know, we got some, you know, got some NBA news, got some WNBA playoff. Uh, preview and we gonna do for y'all. Uh, that's why we're glad to have Chris back on, definitely. And um, it's a couple couple more things I want to talk about, uh, sort of in the retirement spectrum. Um, I guess I'll, I'll I guess I'll start off with that because I think the, the Ben Simmons stuff is is the more newsy thing, but it's kind of you know uh, we could we could we could go into that as sort of the heart of the show. But uh, I guess another newsy thing that came across in the NBA was J.J. Reddick uh, uh, retiring uh, today after 15 years in the league. And that's the reason why I want to talk about Reddick is that 15 years in the league is 15 years in life, and <laughs> it's like you know, when when you when you like when you're into basketball, when you have an obsession or a love of basketball. And you you can sort of use it to time your life by it, and you recognize certain players and stuff by you know certain points in life. Like Reddick, I could remember when we was just, like, we was just talking about that before the show was on. For, you know, you got we were kind of uh, aging ourselves is the term, and uh, in other ways. But like I could, with in regards to Reddick. I'm, it seemed like just yesterday when he was the latest white boy who everybody hated at Duke. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and now he's he's retiring from the NBA after 15 years. And and on top of that, he's had a podcast called The Old Man in the Three several years now. Like he's been considered himself an old man. Of course, his relative, you know, he's not an old man in general, but he's an old man in regards to the NBA, in regards to sporting life. And, you know, it makes I don't know, it just makes me think of myself and you know, like I say, just placing certain things in life and placing, you know, myself with the players who I've watched. Like I can, you know, place players back from the late 80s and early 90s. Like you mentioned Mookie Blaylock or, Mookie. you know, Tom Tolbert or like, like it's, it's like, like those, uh, you know, those, str- those strings that people do on, on like name a random NBA player. Like people do that stuff to, you know, we 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 elder millennials have to to you know to bring our our memories back, you know, and and think about just random <laughs> uh, athletes who we who we would forget otherwise, but they were they but they were not essential to the eras that we came up in or the eras that we've developed in, but they. Though they have some sort of there's some sort of recognition there, and they're they're important in their own way, and I think JJ Redick is going to be another one of those guys. Like he he is in no way an essential player to this era of basketball that we're in now or that we're exiting, but he was a player that played for 13 straight years in the playoffs. So every year that you that we was watching for 13 straight years. We was watching him at some point in May and in April and May and stuff, and even sometimes June. And he was a, a sharpshooter, a sharpshooter guy. Uh, th- th- those qualities that he has, that he relies on most, his shooting. That's something that he could have used going into this year. I thought he was going to play this year, and you know, there's you know, some people may even still think that he may get picked up at some point by a, a contending team who needs him. But you know, who knows? But yeah, it, it's just that just made me the news of his retirement. It just got me thinking about that type of stuff, and I don't know if if that relates, if you guys relate to that in any way, or, or do you are you picking up on what I'm saying in any way? I, I think uh, it's it's interesting because I, I didn't think about it till you said it, but I think it's only because it's JJ Reddick. I think if it's somebody who, when they retire, is going to leave a, a bigger footprint on the game that's that's when it kind of clicks for me like like when kobe retired it's like damn i grew up with this guy like basically um when you talked about how you know we kind of mm-hmm. we kind of think about that player's career kind of mirroring what our lives during that time frame was like i think i get that more so from the the bigger stars of the game um but like you said jj reddick you know his own right um it's kind of on the outskirts of uh, like the story of the NBA, the last fifteen years, he he yeah. is what a lot of a lot of teams are chasing and looking for nowadays, where shooting is at a premium, where guys are getting paid fifteen, twenty million dollars a year just because they can shoot. You know, he kind of is that that prototypical, not three and D, but that three point guy, that that three point hitter that every team needs to to make a run in the playoffs. Yeah, well, it's, it's weird though too when you talk about how the imp- 
like I, I definitely get what you're saying, you know, in regards to like, you know, because Reddick is a straight up role player as opposed to, you know, a Kobe or somebody like that who's a generational talent and all that. To me, those players like that, like when LeBron retires, for me, I'm definitely going to reflect on, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm born in the same year as him. I'm gonna reflect on certain things like that as well, but also there's a certain timelessness that I think you know is a, can be attached to a player of that magnitude because they their impact is gonna be of the ages. Like their impact is on along the line of the the overall narrative of of the league and of basketball history, whereas a JJ Reddick. It's going to fit specifically in a certain pocket of history. And when you look at certain archetypes that people can fit at certain different times, like I said, going back to the introduction, you know, he he was at one point, and this was, you know, when you think about what the, the captain on the Duke basketball team has meant at a certain point in time, that's like a bigger that's like a big deal in basketball depending on how you follow it if you follow college that's a big deal in in your big fish in a small pond at that point and there's all there's all sort of types of expectations or you know possibilities that open up for a person like that and you know it's interesting to to think about where does a person go from that point and what do they make of themselves afterwards? You you can outright flop like a maybe a Trajan Langdon, or you could have something horrible happen to you like a Jason Williams that derails you, or you could become a pretty solid player like a Luol Dang or a Carlos Boozer or something, or, you know, or, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm sticking to Duke players here, but there's also the, the big the big man on campus mentality in general with uh you know college players and and that's something too that we're seeing a lot less of in in 2021 because you know how many how many jays are there now they're not even any of duke anymore duke is taking one and duns now pretty much exclusively so you know it's, it's just you know just some random uh thoughts that i'm going over in regards to the uh, evolution of basketball and what we, you know, what we once had and what we uh, have now in the present. Yeah, I mean, J.J. Redick is just one of those guys where he literally was part of, he was a trailblazer for what the NBA is today. Um, he definitely played a big role in it. Like Duncan Robinson, $20 million a year to shoot basketball. J.J. Redick was one of those beginners who, <laughs> really made an impact of what it is to be a consistent, sharp three-point shooter for a contending team. You know, we talked about earlier about how J.J. Reddick been to the playoffs 13 straight years. We People don't even, may not even remember, he actually went to the NBA Finals in Orlando when he played with Dwight yeah. Howard. Um, that's another thing, Josh. Like, yeah, you think about who's played in different, on different teams and stuff. It's like, yeah, he was on that 9 team. Magic team, and I, yeah, I just for complete because of how many times, in part because of how many times he switched teams. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, he was, yeah, he was on that team too. But yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah, and and not just that, just the just from a, if you want to talk about a storyline in the NBA, like we always talk about when we talk about Hall of Famers, um, in order to be a Hall of Famer, can you actually take this person's name? Can you tell a basketball story without without this person in the story? And you have to put JJ Redick in that category because of who he played with and the at the time that he did. You talk about the Dwight Howard saga, and you talk about him going to play Orlando in the finals. And you talk about how he went to the Clippers and he played with Lob City and all the ups and downs that went through in Lob City. And you talk about him going from there to Philadelphia in the playoffs where you talk about where you had the beginning of the ups and downs of Ben Simmons and arguably Philly's best team since he was on that roster. Um, then you talk about him being a mentor to who many want to be the best next best thing in the NBA in Zion Williamson. And throughout all this time, he shot a career 42% from the three-point line and, you know, created a whole new meaning of what it means to be a, a knockdown shooter on a consistent basis and creating that role for other guys like a Duncan Robinson to get paid big bucks, Joe Harris, to get paid big bucks to shoot the basketball, which is the direction the league has moved to. So when you talk about sharpshooters in the game, we know about the Ray Allens. We know about what Steph Curry's doing now. And those type of guys that really, you know, made an imprint in the game. J.J. Reddick did the same thing. He did it in his own way. It may not be as flashy. It may not be as popular. He may not have won uh, championships and things of that sort. But he still made an imprint in this game. And for him to do it over 15 years, when if you really look at his game, you don't even his game hasn't fallen off to where you where you could you could retire right now. He could still be like we mentioned. He could still be playing, but for him to do it for 15 years, yeah, that's just a, just a testament to the importance of fundamentals and the, and the importance of knowing your role and working and continuing to improve on your craft. His craft was shooting and being a role player. He understood that, and he's done, and that's what helped him become so so, so successful on all these contending teams. It shows the yeah. power of. Stick it to your stick, stick it to the script and not uh rocking the boat, you know, finding your own, finding your own lane in the league and making the most out of it. Yeah, like he's uh, I, I, I heard I heard one stat earlier today about his uh his percentage wise, he's like top five uh amongst a certain amount of uh uh attempts. I did like four 4,500 attempts, so he was a volume shooter in the league where you know the league. That shot more threes and shot more in general than has ever had, and he's set. You know, he's was able to stand out in that way, uh, even amongst all the the competition. So yeah, he, he, you know, I don't know about like any real Hall of Fame talk with him. I don't think that's really going to be the case. But yeah, you know, like I say, he made an impact and uh, enough to on a on a relatively slow news day get him some. Get us some time on sports and stuff like that, but um, you know, I disagree with you there, Kyle. Um, in terms of rocking, go the ahead. What's what's the first point you disagree? You know, it's just like his first three years. I remember being real hype because I hated him at Duke. He was part of those Duke teams that beat Illinois. Um, he was there's a good um, secret base about his rivalry with Maryland and how they they like treated him terrible like they killed him when they played in um, yeah, that was wild, college so. park 
But I was hyped when he got in the league and he went to Orlando because because Buddy was trash. He was not getting time. He was not shooting the way he did in college. And I think there was some – he was basically a Jason Capono at that point in time. And I thought that I was like, oh, he's going to end up – yo, he was, bro. He was a good three-point shooter, did nothing else. And – the thing that J.J. Redick did that I came to respect him and even like him, especially when he went to that Clippers team, is that he started playing. He wasn't ever a top-line defender, but he started playing some defense. And then he improved in the way he got to his shot so that he actually became that knockdown shooter that we saw in college. Uh, his first three seasons were passable as a shooter. Then he got to 40% his fourth year and he played 82 games for the magic. And so he was real close, I think, to being a dude without value or, or dude that was just like an afterthought, maybe an 11th or 12th guy on the roster. And he turned himself into a necessary commodity. If, if not for teams who wanted to outright win a championship, think teams who wanted to contend for the playoffs to contend for a championship. So, cause so, like I said, I did not like Duke. I was not a Duke fan except for Luol Deng. Um, I wanted to see those dudes fail. And then JJ, he actually started working. And I just remember seeing that and I was like, okay, you know what? I can respect this. I'm going to, I can rock with this dude now. Well, what did I say that? Oh, no, it was just that, like, he came in and just kind of did his thing. He, like, I saw him actually put in the work. Okay, uh, I, I, okay, yeah, I may have understated a little bit. You, you, but you, you yeah. definitely, you definitely make a good point about his evolution and in shot creating and like I say he, he wasn't just a jump shooter, you know, like he was early in his career and everything. He became more of an all around uh, offensive threat, definitely. Yeah, moving without the ball. I mean, he, he changed his body, um, became mm-hmm. a lot leaner. Um, throughout the, the bulk of his career, too, to, to your point, Chris. So, yeah, he put in the work. He put in the work. But my, my first memories are, are my where my head goes to him is right back to Duke. It's, it really doesn't – maybe the live city a little bit, but it's straight <laughs> back to Duke, man. <laughs> yeah, back to them Stu Scott days, waking up on the early morning sports center and them, t- mm-hmm. them talking about how he used to shoot all these NBA logo threes and – and, and stuff like that. Like he kind of started that movement in the college ranks, where he was shooting from NBA range from the from the Duke logo almost, and just consistently knocking them things down. So it's like he, he was like he was a trailblazer in his own right. Whatever way that he did it, it transferred into the NBA in such a way where now we're literally looking for guys on every squad. That type of a shooter, maybe even three or four, depending on your roster built structure, off of the team to actually have those type of shooters. So that way you can have you have to have that to win championships nowadays. So you know, for JJ Reddick to to be a trailblazer for that, I mean, he people may not give him the credit he deserves, but he definitely deserves a little bit a little bit more respect on his name when it comes to that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. He he, like I said, he was. He definitely fit amongst this era, and he was, like I say, he made himself stand out in a lot of. And and you know, I mentioned the podcast stuff too. I think that's sort of a, a trailblazing thing, or uh, at least something he's got out, out ahead of, uh, you know, along with uh, a few others. You know, in regards to main, you know, beginning your brand as your branding and extending it as an active player, and. You know, setting yourself up for your 
for your post playing days. Like that's something he's going to be able to do for a long time, and he's going to be respected as a, a you know as a as a person in that realm because he he actually did play the game and play it at a high level. So you know, and he seems to you know uh, it's not a, about him because he's not a big star like that. He, the the show isn't so much about him. It's about just him and bringing in other people and them talking about ball in the way that they want to, you know. Uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting, too, like, you know, that's, this is for probably for another day, but, like, every – like, especially with, like, the, the players' TV channels and all the stuff now. Like, Josh, you I'm, you remember covering that uh, uh, – that – that thing they had back on All-Star weekend a couple years ago, like it seemed like this is really getting to a point where every NBA player is going to have a show in a couple of years, like some sort of streaming thing where, you know, Carmelo's got a thing where he's smoked cigars with people and, you know, uh, Draymond got his thing and, you know, players got stuff where they just get, get drunk and talk stuff. To each other, uh, I saw DeAndre got a thing where he's cleaning. Where he, uh, it's, just, it's ridiculous. Like, there's gonna be no more shows left for people like us. It's just gonna be, uh, no pro ball players, you know, and ex ball players yeah. with their own shows now. Uh, going forward, so, so I don't know. But anyway, I, I wonder what show Ben Simmons is gonna have. You know, uh, in, in five to ten years. But because he's putting on quite a show right now, and uh, you know that's really the big news of today. You know, good, good thing we did a show today in regards to that because uh, that broke through earlier. You know, Adrian Wojnarowski, I'm not saying that right, but Woj uh, broke through uh, with the report about him uh, about Simmons landed flat. You know, a lot of people. You know, had this had this being the case already. You know, going back weeks or months or so, but you know, Simmons lays it out. Uh, you know, for everybody to see, lays his cards out. He's not coming back to Philly. He doesn't want to play one more minute in that Sixers jersey. Uh, you know, uh, talk about the end of an era. <laughs> like you, know, <laughs> they're gonna be talking about their last dance, I guess, in the year or so. Just like. Uh, like Green Bay, you know, having the last dance without even having the first dance. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the Sixers are, are you know, they, they got to do something, it seems, at this point. If, if uh, you know, Ben is going to stick to his guns and hold out, there's going to be a lot of money wasted, you know, it, but it's, you know, there's no reason to think that he won't do it. But you know, maybe they could hold out the Sixers can and and just see how really is about this. But uh, you know, I, I to me it just seems like this is a done deal at this point. You know, what, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Agent is um, it's definitely a done deal. Yeah, <laughs> that's what cost sports like that. LeBron's not going. Um, but but yeah, I think it's a done deal. It's time for him to get out of there. Um. You talk about what show he got. Well, we already know what show, what, who is going to be on the show, and that's one of the Jenners that he's dating. I forgot which Jenner it is. Kardashian's going to be involved. It doesn't matter, but yeah. But Kardashian's going to be involved, regardless. But, um, and, but, but, aside, but as far as this show, the next episode really is going to be what where he's going to go. 
Um, you, you, it's hard to say he is going to go to a contender considering that um, they're pretty much solid at point guard, um, which is the role that he's playing. And his contract is, you know, top tier because of his uh, next deal. He's only, I think that I heard today he's in the second year of his five-year deal. So yeah, he's on uh, thirty-three mil this coming year, and that's that's just going to raise up over yeah. the next three years after. That. Yeah, and I don't see anyone really trade stars like that, especially talk about I um Golden State of Portland, which is the reported the uh, team that he'll be willing to go to. I don't. I don't see Portland trading uh, CJ McCollum for him. I don't see um, Golden State wanting to trade uh, Draymond Green for him. I don't see them any, wanting to trade a star for another star when it comes to that specific package. Um, and with that being said, um, I think obviously we heard reports from our guy Scoop about the Timberwolves being busy. Um, <laughs> you know, the Timberwolves are being busy. They or, always busy. <laughs> yeah, or something like, or some other team, some of these teams like the, uh, that I think I saw a report about the Cavs today, maybe being interested. Um, but I also think that a swap with Philly and Houston would not be a bad idea either. We talk about John Wall. John Wall yes, does sir. one out. And um, I think he actually is a better fit in Philadelphia paired with Joel Embiid. Um, and with Ben Simmons, putting that type of point guard in Houston, where Houston's a bunch of shooters and young guys that want to get up and down the court anyways. I think that, I think that could be a pretty decent fit for both sides. And the contracts, you know, favor him in some ways. When you talk about John Wall's big contract versus Ben Simmons. So I don't know. I think we're just at this point where it's like, you know, we have to see what the next episode is to this, um, this show series of the Ben Simmons show where he just wants to leave uh, Philly to go be like the Fresh Prince and go to LA. Uh, I don't know if he's going to going to the West Coast yeah. like that, but that's pretty much where, you know, they seem like he wants and desires. We'll see how it plays out in the next episode. Ben going to be twirled around in, uh, by the big dude like, like Will was here. But... <laughs> Yeah, that I, I'm with you as, in regards to Houston, uh, Josh. Like, there's a deal I think that could be made there. If not necessarily one on one, maybe a third team could be involved. Maybe it could extend. Maybe it could be work out something like the the uh, the Harden deal did last year. But uh, I think that's there's two situations where both teams are. You know, and, and it's interesting too because of the Maury, uh, Daryl Maury Houston connection there. But you know, these are two teams that have guys who, you know, they in, at some level want to deal, and, and at some level, another level want to be dealt. You know, the the situation in Houston isn't nearly as contemptuous uh, as it is in Philly. It's more of a thing where they just want to get up, get out from under that money that wall that wall that they do the wall. And uh, and they want to free up, you know, playing time for all these young guards that they have now. You know, they you know there'd be less space and less opportunity for those guys with Wall there. But uh, yeah, Wall possibly in Philly could be. It's not necessarily a. It's not the thing where you can say, well, Philly came up, you know, uh, letting go of uh, Simmons and getting John Wall, but it, it's something. And you know, and you never know in regards to. Uh, you know, uh, 
just simple chemistry, you know, sometimes you can add by subtracting. And, um, you know, you, you, you get something, you get, you're not getting the same thing that you're getting from Simmons, but you're getting something else. And that may be what you need to succeed or advance in your team effort. But, uh, you know, yeah, there's, there's other teams out there and they're, they're going to be teams that sort of poke their head in and, you know, leverage is going to play a big role. Who's going to, I say, who's looking more, you know, who has more leverage between Simmons and the Sixers. And like you say, uh, Josh, Rich Paul is going to play a big role. Like I, I did a search earlier today under Ben Simmons and Rich Paul on Google. And, it, you know, I, I advise anyone to do that because, like, the first seven or so entries are just these breathless blog posts about, you know, it's time. It's SixersSense.com. It's time for someone to stand up to Rich Paul. PhillySportsNetwork.com. <laughs> the NBA and the Sixers have a Rich Paul problem. You know, uh, you know there's a, a post about Charles Barkley blasting Rich Paul. Like, it's like it, it's so much drama in in Philly, man. So much drama in the two hundred five, uh, two two no two one five. Yeah, it's 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 it's, uh, it's it's interesting. Like this, this is the spice that we're getting for I think for this. It seems to always be something that comes at the uh, beginning of a season at that training camp time to to uh, spice up things, and this looks like it's gonna that's what's gonna be for this year. Drew or Chris, y'all got anything on this? No, nah, man. It's like I said that in response to that story breaking, he said, Ben, not going. And my response to that was not going to shoot, not going to um, not going to work on his jump shot, not going to come up in the clutch. Is that what he's not going for? So, I mean, like, I, when, when you come out of college with as much hype as you did and then you do what he's done, you know, you can take all the regular season accolades and put them in a, in a garbage can and, and blow that bad boy up in the backyard. But, uh, as Eugene says, as Eugene, our guy Gene says, he's been Simmons, and it's been time for him to uh, figure it out. And if he's got to figure it out somewhere else, hey. But people are, you know, as, as much as it's good that the players are getting paid relative to the money they generate, a lot of teams are going to balk at whatever price Rich Paul sets for him. So Ben better get in the gym and do all those training videos in the offseason. And they better show him hitting 35 footers because teams aren't going to pony up that money that Rich and he wants. And you know that, is it Kylie Jenner? Is it Kendall Jenner? Is there, is there a Jenner that's supposed to I hate that I'm so Is it Kuwait Jenner? Kuwait Jenner. <laughs> it's crazy Who? Jenner. Whomever it is, <laughs> he needs to perform <laughs> in order to get that money to live the lifestyle that he is going to need to live. Otherwise, we're going to be talking about, man, you know, it was it was crazy how Ben Simmons lasted all those years, but he didn't quite come up to J.J. Reddick's level. <laughs> wow. I mean, he's, he's putting Maury in a worse position First, he's saying he wants to go to the three California teams, and we all know there's four of them. Um, and now he's coming out with this. Like, the leverage is just quickly just leaving Maury's side. 
Maury is not – so we already know he's he's going to take a loss some way, shape, form, or fashion. So at this point, it's just about, you know, doing the best you can to get the best you can back in return. Okay. Um, I feel like McCollum, the port, the deal to, to Portland makes the most sense. Um, I like what you said about Houston, him going to Houston, but I hate that deal for, for Philadelphia. I absolutely hate that deal. If, if Wall is the only thing coming back, you know, he, he might be able to fit in a little a little differently with that team with Embiid, but is that team ceiling that much higher with Wall than it is with Simmons? Well, that's, um, yeah, that's why I say, you know, you probably want to get a third team in there. If you're, yeah. you, know, you may not necessarily want to get Wall back, but you include him in the trade because of the money. Or, you right. know, yeah, you say there's this certain things. I mean, like I said, I'm not a GM, but you know, you, you got to work them things out. And if, if you don't trade him to one of the California teams, what what's the chances that he does the same thing? If you trade him to Portland, if you trade him to Houston, it's reports that he you know reports that maybe he'll fit better, or that um, you know, Popovich will take a chance on another big name in San Antonio. Me personally, just for the chaos of it, I love to see him play with Paul George <laughs> and Kawhi Leonard in Los Angeles. That would be t- just just the just the throw shake shit up to a to the ninth degree just uh, that's what i want to see but there's no way that can happen because they just don't have the assets but i, I don't know man it's, it's it's like a game of chicken right now between uh philly and, and simmons and simmons you know <laughs> how much money is he willing to come off of to prove a point um this talk that adam silver might have to get involved depending on how long this drags out this it's a mess man right 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 quick let's do a little bit you know, this is a little bit of, uh, you know, Captain Hindsight type behavior here. But, you know, do you, if you're looking at the Sixers specifically and their leadership, uh, specifically Doc and uh, and Bead and the way that they reacted in, in, in the immediate to what he did in game seven against uh, Atlanta, you know, they couldn't they, – they did what they did. They sort of casted them out immediately. And there was really no coming back from that, you know. Do you think that, though, they maybe are regretting that now, or do, are they just like, you know, screw it, we you no know, do is whack anyway. We don't need them no more. We tired of, like, what, what, what do you think they're thinking of right now? Because if, if, if for no other reason, like, this is a bunch of, of stuff that they should deal with. They already had maybe missing their window. And you know it, they did it a much more dramatic. Oh, maybe it's better to just go out in a blaze of glory anyway. But you know they they're they're still trying to to compete. They're still trying to win a championship, and they feel that they have some sort of uh, chance in the East to to you know to gain control. But this is you know they're inherently getting in their own way with this situation. Like I don't know. That's, you, what, yeah. what do you got to think about that? I, I don't think, in terms of Doc or MB regretting what they said, I, I don't think MB has that type of bone <laughs> in his body. So I, I doubt that I doubt that he regrets regrets anything that he said. But as far as Doc saying in the aftermath of that game that he doesn't know or he's not sure if Ben Simmons can be the point guard on the championship team, I, I I'm pretty sure if you catch that's him a honest damn mistake. Yeah, if if you catch him in an honest moment, he probably would wish he could take that back and 
you know, keep his his own honest thoughts to himself in that moment and say something just generic in the time in that in that uh, moment in time. Um, if for nothing else, just to keep the leverage or as much as the leverage on Philly's side in this whole thing. Exactly, because yeah, because that undermines you as a trade, as that undermines him as a trade commodity too. So yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, Drew. I think he, if he could take that back, he would. But I don't think he's going to take back the thought of really him thinking that Ben Simmons may not be a point guard for a championship team, especially when you talk about Doc Rivers winning a championship with a point guard that couldn't shoot. Like, if you really think about it, he won a, he won a championship with Ray John Rondo, someone that does not shoot the ball. And at least at that time in that career, he, did not, he was not willing to shoot the ball. So – Knowing that he's playing with a point guard at that time, if he, I'm pretty sure he could be sitting there thinking, like, look, I want a championship. Even though I had Paul Pierce and all those other – and KG and Ray Allen, I had other people that could shoot and score the ball. But I did at least have a point guard that didn't even want to shoot the ball at one point. And over time, I had to encourage him to improve on that. And Ben Simmons was that way from the beginning all the way up until pretty much his entire year in Philly, where nothing, none of that has changed, no matter what regime – he played under so knowing that I, I don't think the thought of him really thinking Ben Simmons isn't a championship point guard I don't think he really regrets that thought yeah maybe the statement of being vocal and saying it yeah he probably regret that but I really don't know if he regrets that thought especially especially since he's had success with point guards that have not been really known for shooting the ball or at least even taking shots at a certain point in their careers uh, during that time, during his win- championship championship winning seasons, with Rondo though, he would at least force the defense to play honest though. Like Ben Simmons, just it's 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 frustrating. I can't imagine being a Philly fan, man, because it's like, dude, if you all you gotta do is just just be a threat, dude. Like <laughs> just be a threat, man. Even if you don't want to shoot the ball, you have to shoot to at least make the defense feel like, okay, if I leave this dude open, he's gonna take the shot. He won't even take the shot, like. It's, it's amazing. Then you see this dude every summer putting out these clips where he's taking threes all day long and five on fives in the summer. Like, what are we doing, man? Like, come on, man. It's just got to be frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, we, it, it's, yeah we, we'll, we'll see how it goes, man. It's going to be, I think, a story for uh, at least a few more weeks. And, um, you know, but the boy says he he's put his foot down. He's put his, his – uh, you know, for whatever luxury uh, crock he got on, he's he's put it down, and he says, "I'm not playing in Philly no more." So, you know, I'm luxury gonna, crock. I'm gonna kick it with Kendall, and uh, you know, live <laughs> my best life in the meantime, and <laughs> take some get some doctors and plastic surgeons and uh, what's that? Uh, what's that? What's that there? Please, uh, I'm oh, well, all the Lifetime Fitness. Yeah, but I'm, think, I'm thinking uh, Cal- I'm thinking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gonna run stuff in Cal- he gonna run something in Calabasas and uh, <laughs> gotta get him ready for the league. <laughs> but anyway, let's get let's get over to some real ballers to the WNBA. Uh, Chris, you know, I want I'm gonna leave let you lead off with this man. Me, me again. Me and me and Drew talked about this a little bit. Make sure, make sure y'all check out Monday Night Means as well. Six thirty p.m. Every Drew breaking down the weekend across 
Chicago sports. And, um, you know, we, we talked a bit on the sky, uh, you know, six and six post Olympic break. And they were 10 and 10 before the Olympic break. So that equals up to a 16 to 16 mark. Good enough for, uh, you know, a playoff spot. But, uh, you know, is it good enough for, you know, them to do much damage in the postseason? They got Dallas coming up. They got them at home at least in a in a do or die, win a, win a go home situation in the first round here on Thursday. But, uh, you know, you know, lay it out for us, Chris. What what should the expectation be for this team? You know, it, it doesn't look to me like uh, they're going to, you know, bring us any type of uh, surprise championship to Chicago this year. But, you know, what do you think? No, I mean, it, it hurt me when James and I were talking on the podcast last night on the Skyhook. And James was upset, and rightly so, because – he was laying out the sky's road to the championship and how fraught that was and how he didn't think, you know, how he was certain that there, there was no way for them to win the championship, but it hurt me because he, because of our show and because of the expectations with the roster they have had to go over, you know, this is what they would need to have happen to actually make the finals or win the championship. This team isn't making the WNBA finals this year, man. Uh, Drew, I, I like what you you put out about Diamond getting those 30 points against the Fever, but James was pissed, and rightly so, that that game was even close. The Fever are trash. The Fever are not a good squad, man, and it's not by any fault of their own. I don't mean to say this against the players, but I know it'll be taken that way. They're just not good. They're not good. And for the, for the Sky to have the level of talent they have on the roster with Candace Parker, with Courtney Vandersloot, with Diamond, with Kalia Copper, who's taken so such a big step this year. And for that game to be within, you know, two or three points, I think they were tied at halftime. That's a team that you gotta you gotta step you gotta stomp them out early. You gotta you gotta do like my man did in The Godfather, uh with James Conn beat that dude's ass in the in the street. That's a team that you have to beat. That's not a momentum win going into the playoffs, even though they won by double digits. And Dallas Y'all have watched. Y'all know how good Arike is and Dallas's talent outside of her with Alicia Gray, uh, Kayla Thornton, Bella Allery, and uh, Marina Mabry, who's been really good for them, I think, in the second part of the season after the Olympic break. And the Sky have lost close games to Dallas at home. In 2019, they lost a game they should have won, and this year at home they lost a game that they should have won. So if they if they let the game go close, or if they fall into the same trap of of letting off the gas late, Dallas is going to win. Their ceiling to me is win this game, and then you know hopefully look good in the next in the next round. They they can they can make the semifinals, but if they make the semifinals, they play in Connecticut, who has a healthy John Quell Jones, and John Quell Jones is the MVP favorite as she should be. So they would have to hope that they win one of those games in the semis if they make it that far. But to me, their ceiling is one and one in the playoffs and a lot of questions going into the next season. Chris, two two things. Uh, you know, I, you mentioned the fever win. And, you know, I was actually, I was actually after uh, the game Friday when they lost to, uh, you know, I left early too. They, 
whooped by the Aces. And I would think because the Aces are championship contender team, that that would be as much of, you know, a more revealing result than even the than the you know I, I see what you're saying though them beating them barely beating a team that is you know nothing in the fever, but you know what 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 are your thoughts on you know just them they're competing overall post Olympics they didn't really uh, you know aside from maybe one and a half performances against Seattle they didn't really equip themselves in these these uh, more important games that they had. And, you know, why didn't they just – why did this team not put it together in any type of way this year? Why was it, like, stuck at, like, 500 all year? It's hard to say because they had that portion of the season where they went 7-7, uh, seven and seven. And the four, you know, seven of the fourteen games were without Candace Parker. Then when she came back, they rattled off wins, and they rattled off wins against solid teams. It was a weird season all around, right? Like Seattle fell on hard times at the end of the year because their players had so much time. I think just playing extra basketball uh, for EuroBasket, for training camp, uh, for Olympic training camp, and then for the Olympic, um, the actual Olympics in July and August. Uh, whereas Connecticut didn't really have to do that, do the same thing. And not to say that that's what had catapulted them to the top of the league, but they at least, you know, didn't have to take the extra wear and tear on their body. Uh, with the sky, it's, I don't think it's a, 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 a difficulty or, or a problem with bad roster construction. I just think that they didn't gel off the bat. You know, the, the optimist in me says this is the first year they got Candace they haven't really learned how to play together successfully yet. And maybe a lot of this was um, growing pains for a, a veteran coming onto a team with other veterans of, of varying uh, stages in their career and it not working out the way that everybody expected. Uh, the, the pessimist in me just says that they, have, they haven't got, it was real messy. The Shiloh Heel draft pick and then letting her go going through Stephanie Watts and letting her go, um, and then finally landing on Dana Evans, who they could have drafted. That was messy. The Gabby Williams uh, sitch was messy. Uh, Diamond Shields has not really gotten going uh, back to 100%. So I think that, that was a big part of the season, that she just didn't play at that level she did in 2019. So, I mean, there was a lot in, you know, Candace getting injured, and now Stephanie Dolson's uh, probable at best for Thursday. There was a lot of different things that happened. There were so many different things that it didn't derail their season, but they just never looked apart. And I said at the beginning of the year, I wanted to see how it played out. And I wasn't necessarily thinking of injuries, but you always have to consider that. But when everybody had them as top two or top three, I said, you got to wait. You got to wait for at least like a week or a couple weeks to see how the team looks. And it really concerned me early on when they lost Candace and were basically back to the team that they had um, in 2019 and 2020, when they were still a very competitive team and they, they weren't, they weren't as competitive as they were uh, before. So there's, there's any number of reasons, but I think um, I, I want to point to growing pains. I really do. But I think it might be something that we don't necessarily know. Chris. So, okay. Um, 
I don't want to ask this question. I, I don't want to throw dirt on them yet because, you know, you never know. Stranger things have happened. But if, if things go the way that you see them going, that uh, me and Kyle, I think we talked about yesterday, kind of how we see them going. Um, just t- talk about kind of like you, you alluded to it a second ago, just like where this team is. is I know Wade is coach general manager. Is, is his future in question? You know, we got unrestricted free agents and Vandersloot, Quigley, Dawson, Copper, uh, do I believe too. Um, like, where, where do you see this going? Uh, it's kind of the first part, and then the second part is, um, just how, how much more kind of deflating has this season been because of what could be coming in the off season? That's a great point, Drew. Um, this was this was the season. This was kind of the all-in season, and the Candace Parker acquisition was uh, the crux of that. So to go 16 and 16 and be well on the outside of the playoff picture, especially in relation to a team like Minnesota, who had much less heralded but still key acquisitions and a much worse start even. They started off 0-4, and, and they ended up with the third seed. It sucks. <laughs> it sucks as a fan. I think it sucks. It's got to suck for the, the organization. And, yeah, the part of getting Gabby Williams off the books was – the early decision, like who are we going to try and orient our team around? You got to keep Kalia Copper. I don't, she was never um, she was never an expendable commodity. Um, even when she was still coming off the bench, everybody I think knew that she could be this kind of player if maybe she's scoring fewer points. But that's a player you got to keep. Uh, Diamonds Diamonds future is a little bit murkier, but still the same. She's such a talent. She's such a physical, athletic talent who and a, a, a great defender, which you need. You need a perimeter defender. But then the questions are like, are you do Sloot and do Vanderquigs take a hometown discount? Do they keep do they keep that part of the band together for another year or two, um, or do you go hunting in the draft for potential? Part of it was that last year, so many people left and the COVID bubble was such a, a horrendous situation, even after it got better, that you didn't expect the sky to win a championship. You know, it just wasn't their time. It, it wasn't the right situation. This wasn't necessarily the, the right situation, but it's like, okay, we're back in the bubble. We're getting used to things, but we've put our chips on the table. So we got to be at least in the top, the upper echelon. This was the team that was supposed to skip out on their single elimination games. And now they're in the same position that they were um, two years ago, even when they had a better, when they had a better looking squad. So I don't think James Wade's job's in jeopardy, but I think that his seat is hot. I've looked askance at his draft picks since they got Katie Lou Samuelson and it hasn't gotten much better. I think you guys have mentioned it in the past, and anybody associated with the sky will tell you. These are Amber Stocks picks. Diamond DeShields was an Amber Stocks pick. Um, the Kalia Copper deal was, I think, a, um, an Amber Stocks trade. So as she didn't have a good record as a head coach. Uh, Allison Moran Powers over at the Next thought she didn't get enough uh, time. But she's put a lot of these players on this roster. Dana Evans has looked good. Dana Evans looks like she's going to stick. 
Uh, Stu Du is a fan favorite of mine, and she's done a lot of good things being on this team that she hasn't been able to do at uh, other places. But next year's draft, as well as the salary cap situation, and as well as the potential CBA um, renegotiation that, that could be coming, that's going to spell James Wade's future with the team. Yeah, there's, there's some high stakes going on, man. And, you know, both in the league overall and, and with the sky uh, specifically. You know, that said, you know, Drew, you know, laid out a lot, you know, for the for the upcoming, you know, uh, uh, offseason and everything, you know, short of, you know, short of a, a, a miracle, you know, not necessarily a miracle run, but just a, an unexpected run, you know, uh, is what, what else, you know, what else could be uh, the, the, I guess, you know, try to keep it positive. What could, you know, what have you seen that maybe pleasantly surprised you, or at least I think that maybe Dana Evans, her, you know, her, you know, in spite of the roundabout way that they got her, you know, her, uh, starting to be incorporated more into the rotation and stuff and being uh, efficient in the short time that she gets typically, you know, that's probably a good positive. Is there anything else, you know, I, I, let, let's, let, let's judge the, let's, let's sort of judge uh, sort of in our CSE way, the, the Candace year overall, like, you know, but has it been worth the, the effort? You know, even though she didn't make them a, like a top three or two or two team in the league or what? What do, what do y'all think about that? I mean, on paper, she you know they they have a top three talented roster, um, but as you can see, when you put it all together, it's not always that ideal. Um, you see how so this season's a prime example. That obviously, it's the first year. So maybe if they were able to keep this core with Candace for the next couple of years, they can see where this truly goes and see how you know you use this as the foundation to bounce and uh, improve. But you know the ta- you can always have a talent, but if you can't put the chemistry together to make it work on the court, you're always going to have those ups and down struggles, and that's with every big team that they put together that you could think of that's been put together. So. We just—it's just one of the things we just have to see where it goes moving forward. But right now, talent-wise, if they're able to keep the same roster, they're going to have a top three to five talented roster team. It's a matter of how, if they can put that chemistry together for at least for next year moving forward to improve on the, on this season and be able to live up to the expectations that we really have for them. You got to do what works for you, though. And like Chris mentioned a, a, a little bit ago, like Minnesota made less heralded moves or less splashy moves, but they made moves that worked for them and they they got a better result of this season than the Scott is. So, you know, you, you got to do what works for you and not just chase after names. Everything. I think overall, you know, getting a person like Parker, like Candace Parker, it changed. Like we, we talked about this from the, from when it happened from the beginning of the season. It changes the trajectory of the franchise. It changes the way that people look at the franchise uh, from the outside in. But uh, you got to follow up. You know what I mean? You got to you got to get the results out of that dude. That too. It can't just be uh, uh, an uh, you know active thing. You know, 
if you're gonna you're gonna act like a big big time team, you got to follow through with it too. Chris, this Chris, this might be an impossible question, and it's hindsight. It's it's hard to get into that, and I think that um, <laughs> I think that any of us, all of us back then, um, you know, there there was a buzz about Candace Parker coming to the city. We talked about it that that was unparalleled, uh, especially for the sky, but also just in terms of other teams around the city. Like we were, we were comparing it to Marion Hosa and Dennis Rodman coming to you know what I'm saying going to the tour. I mean, it, it meant it, it meant something almost bigger than basketball, but do you think, does this season look any different today if they would have kept Cheyenne Parker and not gone after Candace Parker? No, um, even if you take out uh, Cheyenne getting pregnant, because for better or for worse, Cheyenne was not going to get vaccinated. And so, you know, she was on the COVID list for a little while, and then she was out for the rest of the season. Um, she was on the pregnancy IL. So I, I think the ankle injury, what have you, even if, if that doesn't happen, they're in a much different place. And to be to give them some credit, in terms of Pythagorean luck, the sky were minus three in wins, according to their um, points for and against. So they really could be in that three or four spot if it weren't for uh, the, like a game I mentioned against Dallas, the game against Phoenix that they lost in the last second shot, um, and a couple other games this season. But, you know, we all know, we all watch basketball. It, it doesn't matter what the statistics say you should have, have what should have happened. You know, they're, they're a team who was consistently late, late lead slip to the point where they're in that position to lose on you know the final play or the final three plays or the final you know final five plays what have you i, I don't think but i don't think that uh keeping cheyenne changes that they got a better player as much as i like cheyenne as much as we all like cheyenne and her um growth they got a better player yeah and and yeah and and this it's hard to argue to the results when uh you know when Candace was on the court, like they they play better ball with her on the court, and she has some, you know, very solid games, some games that, you know, uh, really really belie the the present in her career right now. Where you think she's got to be slowing down, like she's had some some vintage efforts out there this year, and you know you, you gotta you hope that you know maybe she can do it again next year. And, they could you know, just build a little bit better around her and, you know, and, and help and that health wise, they have more luck and that she could play through those games that she couldn't play through this year, you know, without those, like say those, those seven losses in a row, that's particular stretch. Maybe they are a top four team at least and uh, in a better position. But uh, with that said, you know, looking at those top teams, you know, Seattle, uh, Vegas, Connecticut, uh, Minnesota, even maybe a Phoenix who, you know, definitely has the talent to uh, to play with anyone. You know, out of those top teams above the sky, you know, who do you think, Chris, has the, the best shot of, of, taking out, of taking it all this year? Connecticut. Um, 
definitely Connecticut. And as much as the Aces have finally put the put things together, they and, and, and you know they really don't need necessarily need the best record in the conference. I think Connecticut has had that once before and didn't make it. But Jacquel Jones, man, she has epitomized uh, the new form of basketball. She can step outside and shoot threes at a consistent rate. She's an all-world defender. Um, she was playing uh, overseas for both Eurobasket and I think the Olympics too. And Connecticut was without her for a part of the season. And she still not only put up MVP numbers, they haven't lost since June. They have not lost a game since early in the season. They, they're so they're so well balanced in terms of who they who they can rely on for for offense. If John Quell's not hitting, Dewana Bonner is there, and she's just a, a veteran shooter who's long. So you have to have somebody on her who can defend and uh, defend with some quickness. And then you have Bree Jones who who carries the other side of the rebounding when John Quell's not on the court. And they're getting Alyssa Thomas back. And I have no other way to describe Alyssa Thomas except for um, like getting hit, hit, hit head on by an ice cream truck going at like 60. Like when they played, when they played in the bubble, she tore Cheyenne Parker apart. It, it was like I, I was about to throw something at the screen. Like I, I felt like uh, a parent watching their kid get beat up at football, I wanted to like run up and just like start start laying into her myself. Cause you, you know, you feel that way about your team. But if she's back and she's healthy, cause she was putting up like 15 points with two torn labrums, it's gonna be so difficult for teams to get around that. Las Vegas is solid. Kelsey Plum is playing like the Kelsey Plum in Washington. Asia Wilson is not putting up the same number she did last year, but she's a superstar. Liz Cambay's, if she's healthy, if she's out of way out of well out of COVID protocol, she's solid. And Chelsea Gray is one of the best point guards the league has seen. All that being said, the Aces still have to prove it to me. They got to get to the finals without being in the COVID year. And so that's why I think that this is Connecticut's time. The the only deficiency that they have is that they run a six, they run a short lineup. They play a lot of six and seven player rotations. And this is the point in the year where they had that long winning streak. And now players might get a little tired because you've got to play those players Tibbs minutes, but they were already playing Tibbs minutes. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So mm. there's a chance for them to get worn down, but they have a double buy to recuperate. So if somebody asked me to put 20 on it, I put that on Seattle, on uh, Connecticut. I'm sorry. That's the, that's the thing about the WNBA playoffs like say that that double buy that's that's nice to have you know and uh you know nice recuperating time there and uh you know it we'll we'll see how that goes it, it's interesting you know because I, I i i'm going back to when we were previewing the season it didn't seem like connecticut was that much of a of a favorite coming to the season or am i wrong like like for you to be so sure in them at this point. How surprising is that for you? I mean, they've been solid. Kurt Miller is is a good coach. People have known that for a long time. And they've been a good team for a while now. I We talked about it a bit that they, uh, they have this hashtag disrespected 
with the CT um, in capital letters. And some of it is true, man. Some Connecticut gets overlooked uh, considering that they're a team in the Northeast uh, centered around, centered pretty close to you know who. Um, mm. And, and the, the Aces and before Candace left, the Sparks were getting a lot of the publicity. Seattle with Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart. And some of that's rightly so. But for being as good a team and for pulling off the moves that they did, getting Dewana Bonner out of uh, Phoenix, man, you know, they've, they've had a solid team, a solid rep. I, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm surprised that they did this well because I thought that Las Vegas and Seattle were going to finish 1-2. So for them to win 26 of the 32 games this season, that's surprising. But for them to be around the top, that's not surprising. Yeah, that's that's a hell of a record for a 32-game season, yeah. That's, man. So they, there you go. Put your dub on, on Connecticut, man. Like Raekwon say, peace to Connecticut, you know. But uh, – <laughs> Well, yeah, let's it's, it's we I want I wanted to go over the the, the top twenty five the twenty five best players of WNBA or that twenty that the, the WNBA twenty five. We probably do that. Maybe we could say that for the end of the season. Uh, maybe we gotta get James back on too to uh, you know get into that as well. Well, I'm, I'm scratching a couple of things off the play off the the rundown. We're gonna start to wrap up. Uh, getting close here to nine thirty. But, uh, yeah, I definitely want to talk about uh, some basketball journalists, too, uh, in the near future. Uh, another retirement that I wanted to get into, we, we talked about retirements earlier with J.J. Uh, uh, Reddick because Jackie McMullen retiring from ESPN. They made a big deal of that a few weeks ago. It was, you know, we've been on hiatus, so we didn't talk about it at the moment. But, you know, uh, I think she was definitely a groundbreaker in uh, – in the world of, you know, journalism and uh, basketball journalism, definitely. And she's earned a lot of uh, plaudits and, uh, you know, a lot, you know, of, of respect over her time, you know, just for simply being a woman in a market like Boston and, and in a sport like, you know, professional basketball where, you know, a lot of, you know, you had a lot of hurdles to jump to even to get in the locker rooms and to get, Respectful players and all that stuff. I think Jackie Mack was the showed us up to be the real deal and, a, and a, an essential basketball journalist that people who love the game came to for real information, real uh, you know uh, description, real uh, uh, you know descriptions of players and and of happenings and stuff, and not just being a personality. So many people who are into basketball today are just personalities really. And they, you know, they call themselves, they may front front them, they may put on a front like they journalists or they this, that, but you know, they really just out here, uh, you know, as influencers or something. But Jackie Mack was a real reporter. So I want to shout her out. And, uh, you know, I think in the, like say, maybe our next show, maybe uh, near future shout outs, you know, you guys could think of that too, because I was I was going through that in my head too uh, earlier today. No, really, since I've been the last couple of weeks, like essential basketball journals. Who are the people who have documented the game over the course of time, from generations back, 
to the to today who were really a, like say essential and really uh, important in making sure that the that the knowledge was done right and that we have the type the type of information built up you know records and everything uh, you know uh, that allow us to see the game for what it is you know uh, at a you know from going back to you know the fifties going back through the history of the NBA and all that you know and uh, you know that's I think that'll be a good discussion in the near future. But uh, speaking of journalists, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up with, uh, you know, a little more uh, spicy journalistic uh, situation with ESPN. Uh, you know, we, we we went over that stuff before with Rachel Nichols, and everybody talked about that with her and uh, uh, Maria Taylor. And, you know, what it looks like now is that you know they're both gonna they're both out the door of course maria has found herself a place in, in nbc you know she's doing that thing with with nfl now uh you know on their sunday night football coverage but uh it looks like malika andrews is the future now at espn they got the espn today show they're gonna be kicking off uh next month they're just running down some random episodes of the jump i think the jump will be done at the end of uh, of this month, September, and uh, they, you know, uh, Rachel Nichols has been on it in like a month. You know, they just kicked off. They gave her that little under the table money. Say, you know, you know, we'll, you know, we'll see you down the line. You know, but uh, <laughs> you know, what, right quick, what you guys think about that whole situation and how, and how it's played out? And you know, you think ESPN is doing the right thing? Uh, you know, in, in regards to uh, giving the ball to Malika to run point now. Yep. That's that's pretty much all I got to say. Rachel Nichols <laughs> plays stupid that. games, and she won some stupid prizes, bro. <laughs> and I yeah. hate it. Man. I hate it. I wanted her to be – I wanted her to, to be the face and, and lead things on because I, I've always liked Rachel Nichols. We already talked mm-hmm. about this. Yeah. But – she came up feeling a certain type of way and felt the need to voice that when it wasn't warranted. So you got to like, like we talked about, and Josh, you talked about this with Mark Jackson. If you want to stay in and do the things you want to do, sometimes you got to figure out your priorities. And she had misplaced priorities in that situation. So it's Malika Andrews world now. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. She's next up, man. Seemed like it's, it's fitting. You know everything that was kind of coming her way in the in in the bubble before I think even before that news broke, um, just her coverage and how she was able to deliver um, her first experiences on camera in that type of situation, and then that just happened and it seemed like that's her that's her her our door to to bigger and better things right now. Malika Andrews, that is like I'm interested to see how this is NBA Today show differs from the jump and. What types of things they do, or um, how they tailor how they tailor the show differently, and um, to set themselves apart from the jump. So that that'd be something I'm looking forward to to seeing what they what they do, what kind of twist they put on it. Well, I, I say one thing. You know, I think the title doesn't bode well because the title is Vanilla, and you know, I, I mean, you can only you can only do so much with a daily NBA show, I guess, but. You know, I don't know if they think this way, but 
they have to think of their competition as uh, no Turner is a broadcast partner, but they have to think of his competition in a way as well. And as long as Turner is doing the things that it's doing on each Thursday and even like Tuesday now where they have their players only stuff, you know, when they come through on Wednesdays and Fridays and some Sundays and Saturdays to Saturday nights, you know, they got to be like, man, we got to keep up the energy that Tim, that Turner's putting out and the way that they're really representing the game. And, uh, you know, I think ESPN, they, you could say they took a step forward with this. They're looking towards the future. And that's what they were doing with Maria. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Rachel knew that. Rachel Nichols knew that. That's why she was so salty because, you know, she saw that time was ticking on on her time as as being the queen of the NBA over there, so you know she said what she said and it got caught. She got caught out there, but uh, you know I think he, I think ESPN in general just got to think about the way it's it's portraying the league, the way that it's you know the energy that it's having with its shows. It can't be so. They got to get off that hot take stuff. They got to get off. They 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 can't talk about LeBron as much as they have in the past. 15 years like they have to they have to showcase the league in different ways now and you know like we talked about earlier that you know paul pierce can't be right you can't make paul pierce uh be so right you know especially the way that he came out of the network but you know he's you know we just got to think about those things man and you know i i, I would I would like for ESPN to be better than it, it is at, at broadcasting NBA. I don't want to have, you know, because there's no, there's no really NBC don't want it no more. They don't want it. They haven't wanted it for 20 years. I don't want Fox to be broadcasting the NBA because they'll probably be even worse. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, ESPN really is the only hope besides everything being run by Turner. You know, maybe Turner could take everything and, and partner with CBS like it does for the college game. But, you know, beyond that, there's there's no other option but ESPN, really. So, you know, hopefully they'll be a little better in, in, in starting with this upcoming season. And, and I think, you know, Malika, like I say, hope, you know, having her host and having her, like I say, run point, as it were, for their coverage is a good step forward. I mean, you know what they need to do? You know what they need to do? What they need to do? Bring back the NBA on NBC. Hold on, I mispronounced that. The NBA on NBC. <laughs> That's what we need. Man. <laughs> I said, man. They. I think. Yeah. I don't know what's on NBC. What NBC is on, man. But they don't seem to want it. You know. But you know that would be great. But at the same time, can you really have it like it was back in the nineties, man? Can you really, after 20 years, can you have it be like that? You know, I don't know. I think it's possible. It's possible. I mean, you can, you you have, well, ESPN has Ahmad Rashad now, right? So he's one of the yeah. proponents of the NBA or NBC at that time. You got at least something that you can If you see what they, they go bring back Peter Vesey and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Steve <Snapper> Jones and. <laughs> <laughs> I want. I want to know what Steve Snapper Jones is on. I, I hope he ain't passed. Did he? He, he died. A, he died a few years back. Oh my! Yeah, he did. Uh, man, see, see, that and that and brought us down. We got. We got to end the show, man. 
but <laughs> they got to make a new Steve Snapper Jones. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> They out here. They out here, man. It's it's, it's a lot of creatives out here. They can find them for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you know, Bally. I'm thinking about 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 the homie Scoop, man. You know, maybe Bally can Bally and 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 Stadium has. You know, shout out to Cam Smith as well. We're gonna gonna try to get Cam on the show soon. Uh, you know, that's been that's a nice little. But they actually low key the in I recommend this show for head for for, for for inside the association on stadium. Cam yeah. Smith is hosting it. That is a show you would want to watch. It's got they got some good people on there, and they they talk the you know Sham Sharani is on there. They do some exclusive interviews from time to time, and it's a good show. Quick thirty minute show. It's kind of the opposite of uh, the jump, whereas the jump is sort of a bloated hour and it's all about, you know, these hot, like say the hot takes and all this, like they just get down to business on inside the association and they, you know, they you know they, they do their thing and they in and out and it's, it's, it's a good half hour of television. That's what I said. But anyway, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot that's, that's going on with the media side as well. We definitely going to stay up on that because, you know, that's part of what we do as well so you know we we uh no shout out to everybody who's doing it for real on the real side who really loves the game and is not out here just trying to be like i say a, a uh uh you know an influencer or just trying to manipulate things or try to you know just just uh make themselves famous off the game they want to really depict the game for real and and uh you know uh, and and you know just report and do the things that that the people who have influenced them ahead uh you know but from back in the days you know do those same things and, and live up to those standards but uh, you know that's what we gonna keep doing with running with war as well and uh believe next week we'll probably come with another show uh next tuesday as well so keep watch out for that and um in the meantime these are the guys drew, drew josh you know uh Shout out! Shout out! What one more time for y'all? You know where where can people follow you and uh, you know look you know catch up with y'all? What, what, what can people do that for y'all? Uh, just look what Drew did on Instagram and Twitter. Josh M Hicks Media on the IG and Twitter. <laughs> I'm at Quandary Kitten on Twitter. That's K W A N D A R Y Kitten. Um, you can also catch me on my email. Leave me, leave me the f alone at nunya.com. <laughs> he act, he acted like he's such a, a hermit and stuff, but he got like <laughs> six, seven shows that he's on. <laughs> yeah, I me mean, going for hey. a second. He about to give us email. We doing it now, right? <laughs> See, see, that's why I, I suck. They're gonna be listening to this, like, oh, yeah, I got some stuff to tell, and then they'll be like, oh, we got us. Man, you sound like them kids, them guys that used to do the uh, the, the fake uh, voicemails on their phones, but they'd be like, hey, yeah, hey, hey can I hear you? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm gonna get to the phone right now. Oh, yeah. cool right now. Yeah, that, the, that archer type stuff, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We that's, that's it for now, man. I'm 
I, I would do I would do that that bit too, that email bit, but I can't do it better than Chris. But just uh, you no know, means matters on Twitter and uh, K Mean on IG, War Media, uh, Twitter, IG, Facebook, and uh, yeah. If you're watching this right now, wherever you're watching this, you know, keep up with it. If you're not following it already, whether you're on uh, Twitter or on YouTube, definitely subscribe on YouTube so you can get uh, get the notifications ahead of time when we drop new videos and watch watch live, man. Well, you know, uh, you know, a, a lot of y'all watch after the fact, but you can't talk with us. You know, it's like you could you could talk with us and build with us, chop up with us, you know. I think I think we intimidate a lot of people, unfortunately. But they don't they don't want to get in on the conversations like that because they they think we're gonna eat them up. But you know, we're not bad guys. You know, we're nicer than that. You know? So uh, you know, just keep keep <laughs> rocking with us. And uh, yeah, like I say, show us love. We'll show it right back. I'll throw out that old goodie. And in the meantime, another old goodie. Keep bouncing, and uh, we'll be back with y'all next week.